Hello, and welcome to the Live Journal Podcast. I'm your host, Paola Atlason, holistic health consultant and healthy lifestyle designer. During the podcast, I will be in conversation with renowned women in service to their community, sharing personal stories and the self-care rituals that keep us grounded. Let's begin. All right. Um, so today we're speaking with Arden Martin, um, very good friend of mine, Vedic meditation teacher, um, now um, consultant for Beauty Counter. So she's a spokesperson for clean beauty and an advocate for clean beauty. And um, we've known each other for a while. We were doing a lot of recordings, I feel, in 2017, mm -hmm. which were fun. And then we can, we stopped. I think life, life got, got crazy. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to, for those of, of us, uh, or for those listeners who haven't um, been introduced to you in previous podcasts, to, for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and what, what you're about. Sure. <laughs> How, how far back should I go? Whatever you want. Oh my gosh. Well, I guess a big part of you spoke before we hit record about how this, this season at least is all about women who serve their communities in some way. And right now, the biggest way that I'm doing that I think is by teaching meditation and making meditation more accessible to New Yorkers. Um, so when I tell people how I came to do that, I usually start from when I was a kid mm -hmm. because that's where it all begins. Um, I really think that's what informs what we do in the now, right? It all begins. And now that I've had my own kid, I can see that it really, it begins before you even come out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I personally was a really, um, an easily overwhelmed kid. I was the kid who was, to sit on Santa's lap. I was scared. I remember going to a play with my mom and I couldn't even watch the Peter Pan play because there was like a sword fight. Mm -hmm. um, I was just shy and nervous. I, I, I was, um, the way I like to think of it is I was nervous and a worrier, but I had no actual reason to be. Um, I've always been well provided for, well supported, received a great education. I haven't actually had, you know, what, what someone would call true adversity in my life, at least growing up. And I'm very thankful for that. But I, I've always been mystified by the fact that I still felt troubled inside. Mm -hmm. and, and now in hindsight, I understand that that was stress. Mm -hmm. Um, I've come to understand stress as an experience of being overwhelmed, either physically or mentally. And stress doesn't have to be bad. You can be overwhelmed and be having the time of your life, but it still puts stress on your system. Mm -hmm. But now I realize <clears throat> that I had, I, I started to feel overwhelmed from the time I was a really young kid. Mm -hmm. And that translated into um, anxiety, a tendency to overwork and and push for perfection and not like myself if things weren't perfect um really poor body image comparing myself to others self-criticism just really although on the outside everything about my life was perfectly fine and good I wasn't missing anything in my life so to speak I just didn't feel good inside I wasn't thriving inside mm -hmm. And I kind of came to accept that I was just sensitive or I was just an introvert. Um, then things really came to a head when I started teaching elementary school. That was kind of the first real job that I had outside of college and grad school. I became an elementary school teacher, which made no sense. It really made no sense that I wanted to do that. <laughs> it makes sense now because I love to help. I love to serve. I love children. Um, and I love to teach, but as someone who's always been an introvert, always shy, um, an only child, it made no sense to want to be performing in front of 30 people all yeah, day, Yeah, but day. you know what's so interesting, before we keep diving in, it just came to mind, I, I spoke to Elizabeth Traina on a previous episode, and she also taught kids, 
at some point. And she mentioned it's almost like it's part of wanting to heal yourself or help yourself or that part of yourself when you were a child. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Because there's this thread of, of women. And like you said, yes, this season I'm very much about giving a voice to women that are somehow in service to their community. But that's something to to think about because it's it just came up for me. Like you, you don't know why you were doing it, but maybe it was kind of redeeming yourself to that part of you that needed that a you that's you needed a you probably exactly it because I did find myself um really seeing pieces of myself in the kids in my class and really feeling connected to them and really feeling empathy toward them and it yeah it was a really emotionally charged job for me especially when I was teaching in kind of a a tougher environment towards the end of my elementary career. But but yes, I think it was healing for me in a lot of ways. It certainly prepared me for parenthood. And mm-hmm. now I understand too that it it prepared me to teach in a in a bigger and a different way. Mm-hmm. And um it also propelled me it really drove me to learn meditation out of necessity. And that's really I think what I'm here to do is mm-hmm. to teach meditation. And if I hadn't been stressed, you know, showing up at my classroom at seven in the morning, leaving in the evening and then continuing to work through the night and being so overwhelmed by the different behaviors and challenges going on in my day-to-day work, I wouldn't have been driven to learn to meditate in the first place. Mm -hmm. So when we moved to New York City and I started teaching in Harlem, I was stressed to the point where I I was just ready. I was like, I need something to to be proactive about about my stress and anxiety or I'm just it's not going to be sustainable and I just felt really called to start meditating in a bigger way than I was before which was kind of dabbling listening to YouTube meditations closing my eyes for a few minutes here and there so I found a Vedic meditation studio here in the city I took the course much like you I think I never looked back mm-hmm. um, it was it was life-changing for me from the beginning even though the benefits of the practice, take hold over time and it's a slow gradual kind of expansion and and the way your relationship with stress changes it's still happening for me yes. I'm sure for you yes. still too but but from the moment I started to meditate in that way with the Vedic meditation practice I just knew that it was bigger than just feeling less stressed yes and it's it's really amazing when you say that it, it's gradual and it's over time I remember when I first took the course Tom Knowles, who was my teacher, would say, you know, in six months, this may happen. And in a year and in two years. Blah, blah. So anyway, in the beginning, I was trying to pay attention of like, how am I changing? Is somebody noticing? You don't know. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to now, I've been meditating for two years now. Uh, and I was having a heated conversation with my husband. And it was regarding a situation where I guess normally I would have been freaking out about and he was saying, why, you're not freaking out. Aren't you nervous about X, Y, or Z? And I was like, wow, <laughs> thank you. He was completely confused. He was like, I'm not freaking out. Yeah. And normally I would be. So please understand I'm happy now because that means that my med- med- meditation practice has worked. It's working. because, yeah. And it was like this like bright moment of like light fell on top of me that I was like, that's what it is that's amazing yeah yeah the pa- your patterns really change you may find yourself in the same situations but the yeah. way you navigate those situations changes and and the people who are closest to you in your life might be like what's wrong because yeah. they expect something yes they expect a certain um behavior or reaction from you and it's it can be a little confusing at first yes they don't know how to react to it because there is an expectation of, you know, we not only have expectations from others, but we also project a lot of behaviors onto others, especially the people closest to us. And unfortunately, a lot of those things we project onto them may not even belong to the person. They could be something that they picked up from their mom or their grandma or, you know, women, quote unquote, men. uh, And we just expect people to behave a certain way. Yeah. And when they when they don't, I think the tendency is to think, am I not communicating correctly myself, or am not am I not being clear? Mm-hmm. But definitely one of the benefits of Vedic Vedic meditation is like you're saying, 
handling stress, or not even handling because it's not a conscious thing. It's almost digesting stress differently. Yeah, so really what's going on is it's stabilizing your nervous system uh-huh. and it it allows you to rest deeply in meditation rather than focusing or concentrating or contemplating something in meditation. With Vedic meditation, we're effortless. We don't focus, we don't concentrate, um, we don't try to make anything happen or try to have a certain experience. And so the mind and body actually in that letting go and that effortlessness, they're able to really settle down and rest Mm -hmm. deeply. And when the system is resting that deeply, some would say even deeper than sleep, we're able to release the accumulation of stress that we've been kind of packing on to our nervous systems from the time, like I was saying before, we were born or even before we Mm -hmm. were born because birth itself is overwhelming, right? So by the time... Most people come to a practice like Vedic meditation or really want to start doing something like that regularly when they've been alive for a few decades, Mm -hmm. right? Two or three decades. And the vast majority of people I teach are in their 30s. And so by the time you've been alive for three decades, you have an accumulation of stress, fatigue, and tension. Mm -hmm. Everyone's nervous system is different. Everyone's relationship with stress is different, but it's a part of the human experience and we all have a buildup of it by the time we've been alive for a while. Mm-hmm. And and to kind of zoom out even more, if we don't have a way of kind of throwing off some of that stress and managing it and releasing it, we're just going to continue to accumulate until it catches up with us. Yes. And we know, it's common knowledge at this point, that stress and physical disease, physical illness are inextricably linked. Mm-hmm. And so by the time we reach middle age, older age, um, chronic disease, illness, yes. those things start to show up. So it, stress is just one of those things if we don't have a way of, it's a, you don't, I'm not saying that everyone in the world should meditate. I think, I think more and more meditation is becoming a more practical tool. It's not it's not associated with any particular lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, oh, meditation isn't for me. I think it's really becoming something that hopefully will be as as normalized as brushing your teeth to prevent gum disease. Yes, Um, That'll hopefully happen one day. I think we're moving in that direction. But I I, I do think that if, if you don't have some really powerful way to manage your stress in such a busy... Um, kind of like modern life is really stressful. It mm-hmm. just is. And so if you're not a monk living in a cave somewhere, you have a lot of demands. Yes. And if you're not finding a way to sort of uh, release the stress that you're naturally accumulating as a result of being a busy modern human, it is just going to catch up with you one day. And that's mm-hmm. okay. I mean, aging is inevitable. Death is inevitable. Um, but I do feel like meditation really maximizes our capacity to enjoy life and feel well yeah i mean it it definitely shifts the focus from worrying to enjoying and joy is a word that you guys speak of a lot by you guys i mean vedic meditation teachers Mm -hmm. um it's you should feel joyful Our, our normal state should be more of joy yes um like when we look at a child, we were looking at your baby who's so cute. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm in love with him. He's so bright. He's like sunshine. Yeah. Um, and you, you said, I think it was an Instagram post, and you said something along the lines of um, you always ask him why he's so happy, and you were going to stop doing that because he just is, because yeah. he's a happy, healthy, joyful baby. Um, and that's, that's how we're born generally, even though birth itself is stressful because you're so comfy in somewhere and then all of a sudden you got to come out. Um, little by little we, we start piling on those stresses and I see it in my own children. One of which you taught how to meditate when she was five, Mm -hmm. she's seven now and she meditates. It didn't, you know, and you told, I remember you told me, be patient, don't force her to do it. She'll do it on her own. And here and there, I would catch her doing it. And she actually does sit in like a lotus pose with with uh, mudras and... Whatever works. Whatever works for her. She didn't learn it from me because if you see me meditating, I'm just like sitting slumped, which we'll get to. I want you to describe a little bit more of the process. But she came to me the other day 
and she told me she was she had a stressful moment at school and she sat in a corner and she did her meditation and she said I just focused on my breath and I repeated the mantra which by the way she changed and made up her own fabulous which is fun <laughs> and um and she calmed herself down and she leads meditation in her school oh they have a, a mindfulness space and she's the one that's uh, doing the meditation and all that. I mean it's a minute they yeah. don't sit for 20 but I'm like wow if if to your point, it actually would be great if everybody did meditate because there will be, especially from an early age, there will be all these people walking around distressed. I mean, you're always going to have a little bit of it. And of course, you're, but I think once you take the burden of the feeling of anxiety that stress can cause, you can digest and analyze it and be proactive about the things that do need an action to be taken or the things that really don't mean anything and just let them go yeah it gives you perspective and the thing about stress too like you said the goal is not to the goal is not to never be stressed the goal is not to stay stressed it's okay to get stressed it's inevitable we just don't want to stay stressed we want to be able to move through you know whatever is overwhelming us um quickly so that when that thing has passed we've shaken off the stress too Mm -hmm. i think what What's really challenging for people is if they have a tough experience um, or feel tough emotions or whatever is inevitable in life, it's really hard to shake Mm -hmm. and that it ends up informing how we think and feel and see the world Mm -hmm. in a negative way. Yes. And the goal is to be able to really, and I think what meditation helps us do is it actually helps us to feel feelings more fully. Mm-hmm. And if you get angry, maybe you get really angry. But when it's over, it's over. Exactly. You don't hang on to it and, and mill it over. Um, and I feel like also it you start seeing yourself um, as I feel angry as opposed to I am angry, which is something I've been more conscious and aware of is when I try to express my feelings not attaching them to the I am but I feel angry and it's okay to feel angry and you know I I think children definitely are big teachers Mm -hmm. when you when you're in contact with children where you have when you have children um because they don't know how to separate they just feel these things and we tag on to them oh you're angry or you're sad sad as opposed to telling them Oh, why are you feeling this way? Yeah. How can I help you? So that, you know, that going back to that, I think if they would teach meditation in school as part of the curriculum, I think a lot of public schools are doing that. They have a choice to pick up some of these things. Um, like their school, they have this program where they try to teach them to identify how they feel and why and what they can do about it, which I think is great. Yeah. But it should be like a general thing. We don't learn about our feelings. We learn about math and fish and, you know. (laughs) It's like we don't learn that we are not our feelings. We don't learn that we don't have to identify with them. And um, and, and just like you were saying, it's okay to feel angry and sad. But I think what, what meditation really does for you is it allows you to be more of a witness mm-hmm. when you're having a strong feeling. And so it, it's not... There's a difference between pain and suffering, right? Yes. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Mm-hmm. Well, I think suffering is optional if you have a meditation practice, yeah. right? It's, <laughs> it's, I'm certainly not being flippant to say that, you know, someone who's really deeply suffering, you can just tell them, yo, suffering is optional. Yeah. Like, yeah, just, yeah. just stop it, right? Yes. That's not realistic. No. Um, but what, what a really restful stillness practice or whatever stillness practice works for you allows you to do is, is stop suffering because you are able to sit with feelings knowing that they're feelings they're sensations Mm -hmm. and they're not you um and and that's what allows them to actually pass more quickly so that's that's a huge part of meditation it's not and and i get into those quote-unquote heated conversations too (laughs) with my husband right and it's not like that's that's going to go away completely ever but i'm able to I have like, I'm able to sit in my own, I'm able to kind of really be there and be stable through Mm -hmm. it. Even if my emotions are all over the place, 
I'm not kind of being taken along with them, if that makes sense. Like, I'm able yes. to kind of witness them and be okay with what's happening yes. and then move on when it's over. Yes, and I think, I mean, you've said a, a few things that, that sparked my my mind. And one of them is, A, calling it a practice. It's not a one, one day. It's, it's the same as going to the gym. It's the same as you said before, brushing your teeth. Um, you have to do it every day and you don't meditate to get better at meditation. You get better at life. I love that quote. Um, you said, um, a while ago, Mm -hmm. but it's also, um, apart from detaching from yourself, from, from the feeling of you have to suffer because you're reliving these feelings over and over again, you are able to hold space, not only for yourself, but for whoever you're having the interaction with that may be stressful or sad or very emotionally charged because you're able to sit for 20 minutes. I remember before I meditated, I was one of the people that would say, I cannot sit for five minutes in stillness in my head. It's never going to happen. It's a torture. It was terrible. And as a matter of fact, I would try and it was just not happening. Um, So with that, please share a little bit more about the actual process of how you teach meditation and what it entails if you were to take on the practice. Sure. So people, I am of course biased, right? I found Vedic meditation when I was looking for a practice. It was really profound for me and I kind of haven't looked back. Um, That having said that, Vedic meditation isn't necessarily the right practice for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it can benefit everyone, but I don't want to send the message that it's like the end-all be-all of meditation. There are millions of meditation techniques and styles and traditions, and they all have wonderful value when they're done with an understanding of what you're doing. Because that's the other thing about meditation. If you don't know what you're doing, but you just think you're supposed to be doing it, it's really easy to get frustrated. Um, So confidence is really important, which is why I'm so passionate about teaching in a really comprehensive way and creating self-sufficient meditators. Um, But but if I were to just kind of explain in a nutshell what Vedic meditation is and and what distinguishes it, it's really what I said before. We don't focus, we don't concentrate, we're effortless. And, And meditating in that way is really as simple as thinking a thought because we give our students, anyone who comes to learn this practice, we give them a sound Um, which we call a mantra, but it's really a settling sound. It's a sound that has no intended meaning. It has a vibrational quality that when um, kind of repeated silently in the mind in a very easy, effortless way, helps to settle it in a very natural way. It, It requires no effort. You just use this settling sound silently in the mind and you find your mind starting to quiet down, settle, your body follows, starts to quiet down and settle, and you enjoy this really deep state of rest that's not completely free of thinking, mm-hmm. but it's a quieter experience of thinking. It's, it's, I will never forget one of my students said it's not even a, you know, it's, it's a simple thing he said, but it described so accurately what it feels like to meditate in this way. After his first meditation, I asked him, how was it? How, how'd it go? And he said, you know, I was thinking, but I didn't care. Right? Can you <laughs> yeah. relate to that? Yes. Yeah, it's like it yeah. doesn't, all thoughts are created equal in this type of meditation. It doesn't, I think some people are afraid that they're going to think about work when they're meditating mm-hmm. or they're just going to ruminate on their problems because they're going to be sitting there with their thoughts and they're looking for a way to not think about all that stuff in the problem life mm-hmm. category while they're meditating. But it's actually all fine. We're in this more settled, rested Um, subtle state of consciousness where we may have thoughts of all kinds and the way we experience them is just different and so we don't need to push anything out and it it ties back to the to that theory of emotion is energy in motion Mm -hmm. so when you trap all these thoughts or or these feelings that you have in your body because you don't want to sit with them and and analyze and contemplate you end up kind of sticking it somewhere else in your body yeah and by sitting in stillness with meditation, whichever meditation practice, but of course I'm biased as well, <laughs> or for Vedic meditation, you they actually release yeah. from from your cells and your tissues and and from your physical self as well. And you know we were talking earlier before we were recording. Um, we actually had a very 
interesting conversation regarding women and hormones and how we we notice that there are all these um, consequences later in life. I'm seeing a lot of my clients that have autoimmune issues and it's all tied to hormones and um, stress and imbalances. And a lot of these things are caused by stress release in the body because it's, it's, it's all, it's all hormonal. Stress release is hormonal. So stress is a response your body gives you so that you stay safe. So, you know, many thousands of years ago, you're walking down a path and you see a lion and you had to run the other way or try to kill it. And that's your body, your, your eyes see the, the, the fear causing element and tell your, your adrenal glands to tell your brain to release adrenaline. Yeah. So you can run and cortisol. So you get your heart beats faster and you can get out of there or, or fight. Yeah. So now, you know, that stressor could be your boss. It could be your kid. It could be... Your phone. Yeah, it could be the taxi cab that almost ran you over. But it's the same response. So what happens is these hormones, they don't go anywhere. They don't get used because you didn't fight or flight with your baby. Or your, yeah. You know, so where do they go? They stay in your body. Yeah. And they go and get stored in your fat and your blood and your tissue. Yeah. And then that's causing all of these issues that, again, if everybody would meditate, whatever choice of meditation they want and release some of this everybody would not only be happier i think happy is a big word but not everybody everybody would not only be calmer um they would also be healthier yeah yeah one of my teachers used to say that um if you're kind of if you're experiencing fight or flight when it's not a life or death situation it's probably happening multiple times a day yes um, and that's not how we were designed to experience fight or flight stress. It wasn't meant to be something that we're experiencing multiple times a day. And she said, if you are doing that, if, if you're in fight or flight as a habitual response, mm-hmm. you're basically like dumping acid on your body because yes. it makes the pH of your blood more yes. acidic. Um, it does all kinds of crazy things. Um, And in hindsight, I remember when I was teaching elementary school, which again, sounds like this like fun, cute job where you finish at three o'clock when the Mm -hmm. kids go home. um, I, every single morning, I like evacuated my bowels like every morning because you were so stressed. I was so stressed. And, and when you think about like the, the true fight or flight stress reaction, you, um, that is part of it. Your yes. bowels and your bladder empty. And that's why before like a really big event or something, you might get like, have to go pee a million yeah. times or whatever it is. That's a stress response. And I realized, oh my goodness, this is happening to me every single day. Yes. And first thing. Yeah. And that, that's a major one because if you got to go number two, <laughs> that's like, a, because that happens because in, you know, going back to the lion theory, if you got to run, you can't have any weight on you. Yeah. You want to so, be light on your feet. Yeah. yeah. Some people even, that's why sometimes you feel like throwing up yep. when you're really stressed. Your body just wants to be empty so you can jet yep. out of there. It's so completely unrelated, but my husband does motocross mm-hmm. and um, road racing sometimes on a track. And it's a, a bunch of guys that just love the sport and they have porta potties there and they're in and out of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because of the adrenaline, right? They're like, oh, um, it's my turn now. Let me go to the board. Right, right. And you see these grown men just like, wow, that's that adrenaline is yeah. in there kicking in and they just have to. But And in the end, it's no big deal. But if that's your daily, daily experience, thing, yeah. not so good. Well, even if you think about it, even anything that charges your adrenal glands, and we do so much of that from... Just breathing the air in New York City, drinking coffee, alcohol, noise. And where this morning I took the children to the bus and there was maybe a 40 second silence on the street. I'm on Broadway. And I was like, this is weird. <laughs> there wasn't a truck beeping, a car. It was almost like stillness. And I could just hear people's footsteps walking. I was like, it was trippy because yeah, we are not, we don't have that. We have sound yeah. and we, you're always used, being stimulated in this yeah. city. Yeah. So I know now knowing, um, Vedic meditation is definitely your number one tool 
of self-care. What are other things you do to care for yourself? It doesn't, it, whatever, whatever you do. Well, there's what I do and what I wish I did uh-huh. because I'm certainly not perfect about self-care either. Mm-hmm. I feel like ever since I had my son, who's now six months, that whole thing, my self-care routine, my practices, the rhythm of my day, obviously it's been completely shaken up and there are certain, I'm so grateful that I had meditation to anchor me through all that and I've, I've developed some new self-care practices that have been really powerful, but I'm certainly, I've got some a ways to go. I think with my physical body, kind of like my body just feels totally out of whack. Like I, I remember I was doing a little, I did a clean beauty hour, like a little educational talk on um, like the ingredient safety stuff. And people were saying, oh, well, your skin is glowing. You look amazing. And that was so sweet. But I said, you know what? It's literally just this. I'm like framing my face right now. That is the only part of me that I feel like I have any agency uh-huh. over. And everything else, my hair is falling out. My body is sore. My like wrist is chronically sprained mm-hmm. from carrying my son. I'm just like constantly like stretching and try to, trying to work out kinks. Like my core feels really weak. There's all this stuff, you know, six months into motherhood that I, I am not putting enough love and attention on. And so just want to put that out there because I, <laughs> I don't have self-care completely mastered. I don't think anybody does. And it, I feel like it's, at least for me, if you try to do everything at the same time, are you okay with the sun? Yeah, it feels great. She has a sun in, in her, on her face, which is beautiful. <laughs> um, uh, for me, if I try to do, address every area of my life, and we you know self care it yeah it's I, I I come to a full stop because I've come to realize you it's almost like you take it by chapter so okay do I need to work on my physical body now and pay attention to that or do I need to pay attention to my mind or do I need to pay attention to um, my home because that's part of self care um, but it, you can you can do everything at the same time. It's it you would go you know I I I read recently this article of this girl uh, in some kind of maybe lawyer lawyer some kind of very busy work and she got interviewed and somebody told asked her to walk her through her day and she woke up at five and meditated and went for a walk and went to the gym and made smoothies and drank some potions and made her lunch and then went to work and took breaks and drank tea and her lunch was vegan and then she came home um and went to a workshop and then went for a walk with a like this really commercialized packaged full of self-care day yeah that you know is not real no you know it's not and i think it's at the service actually that we do to not only other women, but in general, to humanity, pretending that we're perfect um, simply because we're in a field where we're teaching others to care for themselves. So yeah. we, I feel like we do part of the work, the individual does the rest, and you pick and choose whatever you know brings you the joy and the calm and the soothing you need, but you can't try to do it all at the same time or, or, or look up to anybody that pretends that they do yeah. because that's just sad, you know? Totally. I think it's a balance. I think that we talk all the time about being non-negotiable about certain things. And yes. I do think that that is key, but self-care, there, there, it is absolutely possible to self-care too hard or to put pressure on yourself to do things that just because they're hot in the wellness world, you should be doing that. Yes. Um, but I do think that what you teach about being non-negotiable and having rituals in your day, because rituals just by definition are happening on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. right? I do think that that's key. And for me, it has been, um, it's funny. It feels so silly to say that, say this, but my time in the bathroom Yes. has become sacred <laughs> yes. since I became a mom and, and a non-negotiable for me to really take care. First of all, oral hygiene. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. They say that pregnant women have um, more are more susceptible to, to 
like gum issues, gingivitis, cavities. And the receptionist at my dentist, who knows if she knows what she was talking about, but she said a lot of it is just because of lack of compliance with, um, it's not necessarily something about bodily changes in a pregnant woman. It's just because um, when you're pregnant and when you have a baby, you just kind of like are so freaking tired that you stop brushing and flossing as regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that's a thing. So I've gotten really into oral hygiene recently. Uh-huh. It just makes me feel better. Yeah. Like always flossing, always brushing. Now I'm doing the tongue, tongue scraping and the oil pulling Amazing. every single day. Yes. Um, that feels really, really good. But you know, for someone else that might not resonate. And mm-hmm. that's the other thing about self-care. It has to be what brings you back yes. into balance. So for me, it's that stuff in the bathroom and it's my skincare, mm-hmm. making sure that I, I treat my face like like it's precious and it is you have a beautiful face thank you (laughs) I have really come to realize because I was I was thinking to myself as a meditation teacher you know my work is pretty um I guess cerebral right Mm -hmm. like I I pride myself on being uh I love intellectual stuff I love to think I love to read I love to write Um, I love to contemplate, I love knowledge, philosophy, all this stuff that goes along with teaching Vedic meditation. And then I started getting really into skincare after Mm -hmm. my son came and I was like, "Uh (laughs) Oh, this seems superficial. You know, I felt like the fact that I care so much and I'm so interested in what I'm putting on my face and how I'm caring for it and how I'm massaging it and all these different ingredients and really growing a passion for that, I almost felt a little bit guilty. I was mm-hmm. like, this is this is not the meaty stuff that I'm used to working yeah. with and it's, it's superficial, it's silly. And I'm realizing now that that's not true. Right. Um, I, I feel like as a teacher, as a mother, just as a person, so much of my energy emanates from my face, you know? And the fact that I'm putting loving attention on my face Yes. It's actually pretty profound. And it goes back to what we talk about all the time. I think the last time we recorded, we talked about you deserve the best. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is this um, kind of infamous quote from my teacher's teacher's teacher, Guru Dev, um, a really beloved teacher in the Vedic tradition. He always said, you deserve the best. Let's see if I can remember the whole quote. I think people should hear it. I love it. it. It's beautiful. Yeah. You deserve the best. Never feel unworthy or not justified in having the best. I tell you this is your heritage, but you have to accept it. You have to expect it. You have to claim it. To do so is not demanding too much. So good. I love it. It, it <laughs> it's, it's stayed with me since the first time yeah. you, you, we spoke about it. I yeah. was like, that resonates. And especially because you... Um, elaborated on it by saying that the best doesn't mean the most expensive cream on your face is what do you consider the best? Is it, is washing your face the best for you with water? Right. Then you do that. And honestly, for me right now, the best is the most expensive. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, two years ago, that wasn't that meant nothing to me. Yeah. Um, it's, we moved through different seasons of life and in different seasons of life, what, what the best feels like and what's really going to serve us changes. Yeah. And what the, what, what I tell my students about that quote and how to interpret it is you deserve the best experience of life that's available to you. And the choices that you make are either going to move you in the direction of experiencing life in the best way that you possibly can or not. Mm -hmm. So no, it's great. It's, I went through a similar, and I think a lot of people that get into some kind of spiritual dabble um you know we all go in and out of 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 this or or they they remain but in different capacities because that's another thing we shift and we morph and and things remain but we we customize them to ourselves so I went through a moment where I was like you know in order for me to figure myself out I have to just strip myself of everything so I wasn't dyeing my hair I wasn't relaxing it I wasn't using what I wasn't wearing a bra, which is now you know a known fact. It was a fa- it was like a year, um, you know, only using essential oils and and at one point I was like, well, you know what, some of these things are not working for me because I felt that I, as a woman, it's okay to want to look 
nice and put feminine, together and yeah. feminine for me. And I was kind of finding something that I actually liked. So I had to come full circle and, and realize, you know what? I actually like when I color my hair. Mm -hmm. And I actually, um, now I've been doing my nails. And one great. broke. Thank you. But it was like, it reminds me of, I remember my mom allowed me to grow my nails when I was 15. You know, before 15, back home, I guess you're still like a, a child. Mm -hmm. But once you hit 15, we have that big party, the mm -hmm. quinceañera party. And it's like you're coming out of your childhoodness into more of like a womanhood. And I remember this this uh, image came to my mind of me sitting, we had a balcony and the moon was out. And I remember I had let my nails grow and they were just natural. And I remember looking at my hand with the moonlight reflecting in the back and, and thinking, wow, I look so girly. And mm -hmm. I felt so proud of myself because my, my nails grew. And now I'm 42, and I was like, oh my God, long nails make me feel this girliness inside at a stage of my life where probably I shouldn't, the word girly is not the yeah. right, but I, I'm liking it. And it's like, it sparks this joy in me to just go and get my nails. And it sounds like done. back then and now, it's a way for you to admire yourself which is yes. so powerful which is something else that we're maybe not supposed to be yeah. doing because we're teaching people you know from the inside out is how you um can heal heal is a big word but how you can feel better but you know the outside counts too and going back to you talking about your bathroom time you i i have so many people that i've had them just re we not redo their bathroom, not re, like remodel it, but it's like get rid of all the the old towels, get fresh towels, the get pretty bottles. things, yeah, and make your bathroom nicer because you are actually spending a lot of time in there and it's bringing you happiness. So why not make it the best? Yeah, you know, like you posted this image of your your oil pulling oil, mm -hmm. and it's so pretty. Mm -hmm. And oil pulling is not pretty. Yeah, <laughs> but that it's bottle is so pretty. But and and you know, I've been wanting that bottle of oil pulling stuff for weeks. It's like forty dollars for mm -hmm. a bottle. I could have gotten just plain coconut oil, plain sesame oil, and swished it around. I already had sesame oil sitting in my cabinet. I wasn't oil pulling. No, I got myself that oil pulling and said, "You deserve this." Yeah. And I've been oil pulling every damn day. Yeah, just make it pretty. You yeah. know, we I've, I've been using that that hashtag moments of pretty and yeah. you know, rituals rituals are not religious. Like I think relig rituals have this kind of spiritual connotation. A ritual is something you give time to and you make it a little precious. Yeah. And the way you eat your food can be a little ritual, the way you make your tea. You know, if you drink tea, get a nice tea kettle and a nice cup. Why are you going to have, like, boiled water? You know what I'm saying? It's just, like, if that bottle is going to encourage you to do something that's highly beneficial health-wise, then why not? Um, and But I love, I love that you're speaking about uh, beauty and your face and all these things we do to feel feminine or girly. But tell me more a little bit about Beauty Counter because I've been using this stuff. Yeah. And it's good. It's good. It's good stuff. So now you're very involved and you are definitely nerding out on it, yes. which I love. <laughs> you're like telling people about ingredients and you actually know the names of the ingredients and how they rank and safety. And you're like, a, like an encyclopedia now of clean beauty so tell me a little bit more about that and, and what your service is in in that sense as well i would love to i feel like this whole idea of clean beauty is really blowing up and exploding right now and it really excites me um so i as as a beauty counter consultant like you kind of alluded to i my role is very complex at the core i'm helping share beauty counter with people and sharing their products with people but they are such a mission-driven company that anytime I'm sharing anything beauty counter with anybody, I'm really sharing and, and moving forward their mission, mm -hmm. which is to get safer products into the hands of everyone. Um, I think we're just starting to realize now or just starting to become common knowledge that a lot of products on store shelves contain harmful or questionable ingredients that are not supportive of human health. 
Um, the personal care industry is woefully unregulated, which means that companies can use pretty much any language they want to sell a product. They can call something natural when it's not. They can call something heavy metal free or non-toxic when it's not. Incredible. Um, and so it's really because we've started to see that a lot of reproductive health issues, um, I don't want to, there's no, the, the problem with this issue too is that there's so much more scientific research that's needed to really understand the links between toxic chemicals, hormone disrupting chemicals, neurotoxic chemicals, the links between those and human health outcomes, but there's enough mounting evidence that there is something going on and if you know that something's questionable why would you want to put yes. it on your body um, this is a really nuanced complex thing because it's really easy to get into this mindset of like well you know we're all anyone listening to this podcast cares about their health and wellness right and so this idea that what you're putting on your skin your largest organ is a big deal mm -hmm. because your skin absorbs everything that you put on it that's actually not true. There's this kind of internet meme out there that everything you put on your skin gets absorbed within 20 seconds and it's mm -hmm. kind of like this fear-mongering thing. Um, it, it actually depends on the molecule and the particle size of the substance. It depends on like what, how the product's been formulated, whether it's designed to just sit on your skin or be soaked mm -hmm. up. Like it's this really complex thing. Um, and that's part of what I want to teach people about too. It's not wow. about fear-mongering and making people scared to use certain products on their skin, it's empowering them with knowledge so that they can make informed decisions. Um, so clearly I'm really passionate about yes. that. I love nerding out too on just like ingredients that support skin health and help us glow and feel better and that work with different skin types and different skin conditions. Um, and I also just love that Beauty Counter is creating products that are not just completely free of harmful ingredients, rigorously screened, every single batch is tested for heavy metals and contaminants. They're really, they have amazing integrity about how they're um, manufacturing their product. Uh -huh. Um, but it's not just that it's the products, like you said, they're good. They're really they good. They actually perform and there have been natural skincare and makeup products out there for decades now, but, but natural products can be really disappointing in terms of their performance. Incredibly. Yeah. I, I've, and now they're not cheap. Like before yeah. I feel like if you would go to a natural health food store and maybe go that route of buying something completely natural it was actually less expensive than something you would find at a department store or something like that. But now it's the opposite. There's a boom in the industry and there are all these natural, beautifully packaged, super hyped up. Mm -hmm. You go fork out, you know, sometimes over a hundred dollars for something and then you use it and you use it and you use it and you're like, that's not working. Like my skin is dirtier or I'm yeah. breaking out or something. Um, it's not lathering. Yeah. Or yeah. It's, it's not moisturizing me. Like if yeah. it's a cream, it's not, or if it's, you know, it, it's not serving its purpose. Yeah. And you know, there are still some areas that haven't been completely cracked, like the odorant and mascara, mascara, mascara is a really tough one. Um, some hair products as well. But okay. you know, I feel like everything that I've used um, works Yeah. from, I've been using moisturizer, which my husband has been using as well. Um, <laughs> the kids stuff works, the hair conditioner works, the stuff smells nice. Yeah. It's packaged in a modern way. So it's not weird. Right. It's yeah. not hippie, hippie stuff. Well, there's nothing wrong with hippie, right. but if you want, if you don't want that, you know. Yeah. It's for everyone. Yeah. And, um, what was I going to say about that? Oh, I had a really great thought and, oh, so the way Beauty Counter puts it, which I think is really helpful to understand is imagine you had to make a chocolate cake, but you couldn't put chocolate, flour, sugar, or butter in your cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically the challenge that, that companies have when they want to formulate products with safer ingredients that also perform. It's really hard. Yes. 
Um, so there's so much that goes into doing that with integrity. And, and so I'm just getting really, I think maybe it's because I'm a business owner now too, um, yes. because I have my meditation studio that's about to hit its first year anniversary. Amazing. Um, so maybe now that I have that business owner perspective too, I have so much respect for companies like Beauty Counter that are doing it the right way. Yes. Um, and they are actually a, a certified B Corporation too. Are you familiar with the B Corp thing? No. What is that? So B Corporation is a certification that companies can get when they are equally valuing their people, wow. their purpose, and their profits. So um, Patagonia is a B Corp. Uh, I love Patagonia. Yep. They, because they, they make their stuff with um, really sustainable materials mm-hmm. and they have um, socially responsible programs in addition to selling products. So B Corporations are fabulous. It's great to support them. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, the more I learn about it, the more excited I get. So Arden, Mama, Vedic Meditation Teacher clean beauty advocate and businesswoman. If oh my gosh. I love you it. Put it that way. You're a powerhouse. You're a slashy. That's what that's what slashy. we're called. The 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 slash. I love that. Everyone in New York City is a slash. There's so many. Um, <laughs> but if anybody would want to contact you, come to the studio for med- meditation or beauty counter, how can they find you? So for meditation, the springmeditation.com, we're a studio in Soho. And we also have an Instagram, Spring Meditation. And then my Instagram is Arden Martin. I'm on there way too much. And you can always <laughs> I find love me it. there. And if anybody would want to email you, I'm going to put all that in the text. But Yeah. So Arden at the springmeditation.com is the easiest one to remember. Wonderful. So yeah. thank you again. Thank you. Um, I feel in a year so many things moved forward and you're expanding at the speed of light is you're more radiant than ever you too um so thank you so much and i'm sure we'll keep having more conversation can't wait to record next year thank you so much for listening if you'd like to learn more please visit my website paolaatlason.live and you can also find us on instagram at paola.atlason sending you so much love And thank you.